so good to worship with you to remember what Jesus has done in our lives. Well, some of you heard that our family welcomed a special gift this past Wednesday, uh, our daughter and son-in-law, Brad, and uh, their great son, Teddy. Her name is Ellie Joy, and all of us, including her two-year-old brother, Teddy, think she's really precious. So grateful for these treasures. And I, I, you know, someone said, if I had known years ago how wonderful grandparenting is, I would have just skipped the whole thing about having kids and just gone straight to having grandkids. But in case any of my five kids and my daughters here, I love you and I would never trade that for anything. Uh, you know, when you think of the joy that is experienced when you welcome someone in the family, maybe you're the aunt, uncle, grandparent, you're the parent, whatever, there's something about welcoming a new person in the family that just, you know, there's a celebration, right? And that is a reflection of what we read in Luke chapter 15 when it says Jesus gives, the only time he does, three parables about lost items being found, a lost coin, a lost sheep, a lost son, and he says, when the lost item has been found, and he's talking about us, he says, it's when, when you are lost and you're found by God, he says, there is a great celebration. There's rejoicing in the presence of whom? Of angels, right? So even heaven is rejoicing. The moment that you put your trust in Jesus, that's what happened. And if you haven't taken that step yet, when you give your life to Jesus and invite him to come into your life, I mean, it's just, the Bible says, the old is gone, a new life has begun. You're forgiven of your past, you're without blemish, you're free from accusation. God the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. He empowers you, he gives you purpose for your life. He gives you a forever home in heaven that's guaranteed. And, and he gifts you with abilities to make an impact uh, on the people around you, your church family and your community, to wherever you are, he says, I wanna do something through your life. And that's the context of what we've been reading, that when you're born again into God's family, that he gifts you and, and, and he wants you to make an impact. He sees us even as we gather here as a family and, and, and he, he wants to talk about uh, the gifts that he gives us. So we're gonna look at that and we're gonna look at a passage that tells us about a couple of gifts that have created some controversy. From the first century and even today around the world, there's some confusion, uh, you know, uh, disagreement on this, and so we wanna look at that. Let's turn together to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There are some notes that maybe you picked up on your way in, uh, and, uh, or if those of you engaging online, really glad to have you watching from lots of different places. If you wanna go to our website, gracema.org, you'll see our bulletin there and the notes are there. Guys at Lorraine Correctional, really glad to have you joining us as well. Uh, look forward to being with you again. And, and those of you who are checking in on the podcast, uh, thanks for digging into God's word with us. My prayer is that we're gonna leave here with a better understanding of, of what Paul is teaching about, what Jesus wants for us today, that, that things that are maybe confusing, confusing don't have to be scary, that we can actually learn and then say, wow, I wanna embrace this. Like, this is something that God might have for me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm gonna read beginning with verse one in the New Living Translation, and here's, here's what Paul writes. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability 
to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you were saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know that they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language is meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to anyone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. All right, let me pause there. One of the things I love about Grace Church, this family, is that God has given us a lot of diversity. It's a whole lot easier to be in a group that's homogenous, you all think alike, vote alike, look alike, sound alike, but it's better to be part of a diverse group that just reflects you know, the family that God is building and what heaven's gonna be like, right? There's gonna be people from every different tribe and language and nation. And so when we have a f- taste of that here, that's honoring to Jesus. And, uh, but it means that we come from a lot of different backgrounds, including on this issue. So for instance, some of you grew up in a religious tradition where the gift of tongues was like used a lot. Like people just did that, you know, and you're like, everyone seemed to have the gift. Others of you grew up in a, a, a tradition religiously where you're like, we like never, I never heard that, we never talked about it. It was like, that was the first century and it wasn't beyond that. Some of you are going, I didn't grow up very religious, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I'm just glad I have a tongue in my mouth, but in terms of some kind of spiritual gift, you, you've like lost me, I, I don't know what Paul's talking about. I'm really glad you're here, and, and, and I like the fact that we're all over the map, and I think what we do is we come back to the scriptures and say, let's let the Bible speak for itself and, and, um, and listen in and see what does it really mean? Like, let's, let's understand this. And so that's what we want to do today, to get the context, uh, though, for what Paul is saying, because he didn't just send 1 Corinthians 14 as a letter. He sent it as part of a larger letter, and for, chapter 14 is just one part of 16 chapters, And so uh, what we find out is that this section of Paul's letter, chapter 12 to 15, is all about the Holy Spirit, how he, in fact, it's the longest section in the New Testament about how the Holy Spirit gifts us. He gives you abilities, um, you know, the gift of administration or encouragement or teaching or tongues or prophecy or whatever. And, And so here's, let's just look at the backdrop, okay? So you'll see these four points in your notes. First of all, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul makes it clear that God begins a new work in you when you put your trust in Jesus. That's the starting point. You, you don't receive gifts until this step happens. So Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong <coughs> will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Verse 11, some of you were once like that, but you were, listen to this identity. When you put your trust in Jesus, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So Jesus makes you clean and holy, puts you in a right relationship with God. It's the starting point, and if you haven't taken that step yet, that's your first step to say, Jesus, I need a new start in my life. I know that I'm not acceptable to you as I am. I'm not gonna make it to heaven on my own. You're the way, the truth, and the life. I surrender my life to you. When you do that, then Paul goes on, 1 Corinthians 12, and he says that God gives you gifts. We have different gifts and personalities, but the same Jesus lives in all of us. This is great news that for those of you who go, you know what, I think I look around me and I think God can use these other people because they've been Christians way longer than I have. They just seem like there's this godly aura about them and God's not gonna use, I want you to stop right there. God wants to use you. Even if you're a brand new, remember in John chapter four, he's talking to the woman at the well, Jesus. She goes and tells the whole village and she's a brand new follower of Jesus and all these people follow Jesus as a result. It doesn't matter if you're brand new in your faith, God wants to gift you and, and give you the joy of using that gift in, in your church community and, and the world at large. It's also clear from chapter 12 that number three, gifts are not something we manufacture on our own. There's special abilities given by the Holy Spirit. And I put a partial listing of gifts in your notes. You'll see that. Uh, we'll show them on the screen a little bit later in the message. We don't earn these. We don't work for them. We, they're gifts, and so you, you just receive them. And you can even ask for them. Uh, and then in chapter 13, Paul addresses a problem. There were uh, Christians in the city of Corinth, Greece, who began to brag about the gifts that they had received. And they're like, and for them, they were like, I have the gift of... Uh, tongues. What's your gift? And they sort of saw it as like the elite gift. And if you had that gift, it was a mark that you were a deeply spiritual person. And we saw last week that Paul says, you know what the real mark of spirituality is and depth and indicator on your dashboard of your life that you're really doing well in your walk with Jesus? He goes, it's not the gifts you have. He goes, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, he goes, I'm just I'm just like that loud symbol, right? I'm nothing. So the best indicator of spiritual maturity is do you, do you really value people and treat even difficult people with dignity? So number four there, no matter how gifted or spiritual I think I am, if my words and actions are not marked, first of all, by love, my life is a big zero. Now, with that in mind, let's look at chapter 14 again, verse one, and he picks up this theme and he says this, let love be your what? Your highest goal. But, he says, he's not diminishing the gifts. He said, you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, what does that even mean? To get the context for what Paul is about is going to address here in chapter 14. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 18, maybe a summary verse for this section. And here's what he writes. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. So Paul holds up these uh, 
two gifts for comparisons, tongues and prophecy. And as you read the chapter, you begin to get the gist of what Paul is saying, and he helps us to navigate the use of these two gifts. And if you were to summarize, here's what Paul makes clear. The gift of tongues is good, and the gift of prophecy is even what? Is even better. The gift of tongues is good, and Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he's not diminishing that gift. He has a great gift. He goes, this is even better. So let's take a look at this. First at the gift of tongues. Paul himself, as I said, had this gift. Quite a few folks at Grace uh, and our Grace Church family have this gift, and it is a gift from God. And if you were to define it, this is in your notes, a gift from the Holy Spirit, tongues is a gift in which a believer speaks in a language they have not learned and which they do not understand. If you look again at chapter 13, verse one, just back a chapter, it seems that there are two types of tongues mentioned in the Bible. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of what? Angels. And so uh, the tongues of people would be like languages. And, and the gift of tongues might be an unlearned foreign language. The technical word for that is xenolalia. Xeno, like, you know, xenophobia, foreigner. Xeno means foreigner. And then lalia, to talk. And so you talk in a foreign language. And I won't turn there, but Acts 2, you guys can put a couple of those verses on the screen if you want, but in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God falls among the early church, and there's the sound of mighty rushing wind and flames of fire, and it says this, it says that, that all the unbelievers who are present, they're like, whoa, something's happening here. Because they've come from all over the Mediterranean world to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and when they're there, they began to hear the praises to God among the early church, like this group of 120, in their own what? Language. They're like, whoa, 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 we're coming from Italy and Libya. You see all the different places mentioned. And yet we're hearing the praises of God in our own language and, and something was taking place. Now, does that happen today? Uh, there was a, a report of a person who uh, heard an American speaker. They were an American worship service and this person who, who had grown up in, in Iran heard this person speaking in a Persian language, in tongues, and they never learned it. And they said, I heard him say, praise the Lord, glory to God in the highest. Uh, and they said, I, I heard in my own language. I've never encountered that. I think it's probably a rare happening. I do know some missionaries, including some of my own family, maybe some tuning in today, who have probably at times desperately prayed for this gift as they've sought to learn a new language, and they're like, God, I'm working so hard. If you just want to gift me with being able to speak this language, like that would be awesome. But generally, the Lord has us go through the difficult process of learning a language, building relationships, and you know. And so no one that I know of has received the gift in this way today where you speak another language that's understandable in another part of the world, and you've never studied it. More common would be what we might say are the tongues of angels, which glossolalia, which are verbal patterns not identified with any human language. And I think this might be what Paul meant when he says, if I speak in the tongues of, of angels. In other words, a, a language unknown to people, but a language used to praise God. So if you look at chapter 14, verse two again, he says this. I think Paul's talking about this here. He says, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. 
Like this is something that God, so, so if we were to talk about some of the characteristics of the gift of tongues, number one, they're spoken to God. Tongues aren't primarily for preaching, they're for praise. And that's what you see when they're mentioned. In, in verse two, he says, you're, you're speaking to God when you speak in tongues. Down in verse 16, he says, tongues are for praising God with your spirit. And so tongues are, are primarily for something that is, is gonna be like from your soul to the heart of God. A second characteristic are that tongues are mysterious, uh, unintelligible without interpretation. So in verse two, he says here in chapter 14, you'll be speaking by the power of the spirit, but will all be mysterious. Uh, and then one more aspect, uh, number three, is that tongues are primarily, primarily for the benefit of the speaker. In verse four, he says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Now, how, how can tongues strengthen us? I, I would share it like this. I think this has been the experience of many people of the gift of tongues is that they'll sometimes say, I have so much overflow of praise in my heart that I, I, I feel like my own language, you know, like for me, English is inadequate. And sometimes the overflow of my heart and, and uh in an unknown language, like in, in a, the tongues of angels, that you're, you're pouring out your heart in words that might not be understandable to other people, but it's between you and God. By the same token, there are people sometimes who are in such pain, and I think there might be a hint of this in Romans chapter eight when, when Paul says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, takes groans that words, what? Cannot express, and he interprets those to the Father. Some of you have been in a place of such deep pain that you go, I, I feel like I can't even pray. And maybe there are groans that pour out. There's unknown words that would pour out of your heart and you say, it was a gift to me in a time where it was just difficult. So I think in times of either great, great joy, times of great pain, that the gift of tongues has been a gift to many. Uh, James Dunn was, until his death a few years ago, was a professor emeritus at Durham University and one of the foremost New Testament scholars in the world, and he said this about the gift of tongues. He wrote, studies have indicated that contrary to popular belief in which tongues were associated with a, a psychological disorder, that really was the case at some point for some in the world thought this is, these people have gone mad. Today, is, it is said to give people a sense of balance, wholeness, and well-being. He goes on to say, Depression among tongue speakers is often reduced. They become more open to feeling and to the effective dimension of their experience, more spontaneous and better able to cope with anxiety. So this has been a, a, a huge gift to a lot of people and it might be something you go, God, wow, what Jonathan's talking about sounds, sounds really good. Like, would you give me that gift, God? I would... You know, I, I really love to have that gift. Paul says it's a gift that, that strengthens us. It's one of the gifts that's more intended probably for our own strengthening unless there's an interpretation for the church. So what are some guidelines Paul gives for this gift of, of tongues? Number one, when you're in church, do what's best for the whole church. Look what he says in verse 16 here. It's all about wanting everyone to understand. He says in chapter 14, verse 16, if you praise God only in the spirit, that is, with the gift of tongues, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. 
So where did Paul primarily use his own gift of tongues? It would seem to be in private. That's Paul's point, that in public, whatever is spoken should be understandable and should lead to love and unity. And that's why even at Grace Church, this gift, if you're like, I've never heard that used like in, in a public worship service. It's primarily used in, in someone's own private um, relationship with Jesus, maybe in a small group, uh, a prayer group or something like that. Um, but unless there's interpretation, Paul says, it's, it's, you always want it to be understandable. Guideline number two, he says, watch out for pride. Uh, if you have the gift of tongues or any other gift, don't look at that as some kind of, you know, status spiritually. Here is the problem in Corinth. If you look at this list of gifts here on the screen, this is how people often view the gift of tongues. They're like, oh yeah, I know my friend has craftsmanship gifts, hospitality, but the gift of tongues, man, that is the first class gift. The rest of you can sit back and coach, you know, and maybe someday you'll receive the, the gift. And, and Paul is saying, he's going, you know what, don't, don't do that. Uh, God gives all the gifts. You didn't earn it. You didn't manufacture it. And so receive the gifts from him, but every gift has value. Again, here's Paul's big point. The gift of tongues is good, and the gift of prophecy is what? Is better. Why? Why? First, a definition. Prophecy is a gift from the Holy Spirit in which an individual believer is given the ability to communicate truths about the nature and the will of God. So a person with this gift is gonna help you understand how the word of God is applicable to today. It might be in a, we said last week, it might be in a small group Bible study, an adult class, it could be someone preaching the word, uh, but they're saying something that makes the Bible relevant um, for today. But here's the difference with tongues. Uh, prophecy is always in the language of the people. And so here's what Paul says in verse five. He says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you were saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Again, in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, so what is it about prophecy that's so positive for a, the church family, uh, it'd be this. Three characteristics of the gift of prophecy, prophecy and, and it really comes back to what he says in verse three. He says, one who prophesies does three things, strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. First of all, strengthens. The word is, uh, is, uh, is oikodomen. Oikos is house, domen is to build, and so if you think of building a, a house and you know, he, he says, that's what I want you to have in mind is that when you speak God's word that, that you're helping to build people up to become the ones that, that Jesus wants them to be. He also says that it, it encourages people in the trials of, of life. It's the same word, uh, paraclesis, that we, paraclete, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside. He's, he's encouraging you. He's convicting you. He's prompting you. He's empowering you. And Paul is saying that when you speak a word from God that is in agreement with the Bible, uh, he's saying it, it can strengthen people on their journey. And then he finally says it comforts people, assisting them, assuring them of God's uh, presence. Uh, that, that when you can speak a prophetic word, it can really, and you know, sometimes it's not just 
you know, me going through a passage of scripture. It might be something that God gives you a special word for someone. I, I had this happen this week. A guy was talking to me and he, I didn't even ask him. He doesn't know what I'm speaking on. And he says, you know what, two years ago, he said, this friend of mine spoke a word into my life. And it was a prophetic word. And he said, you know, uh, we were praying together and he said, I have this sense from the Lord as we've been praying that you're gonna encounter a crisis in these coming few years. But God wants you to know that you're not forgotten and that what he wants to do is he wants to sort of, he wants to open up your heart and remove any of the negative and he wants to pour out his presence in a new way. And, and, he's, and who you are at the end is gonna be, you're gonna be more, more Jesus-like in, in your character and your, your life. So the guy's telling me this, he goes, it happened. He goes, within months, I encountered a crisis, my heart was broken. And he said, I felt like it happened, that God opened up my heart, he began to cleanse me, and he goes, it was so helpful for me to have this sense of that I am not forgotten. That the guy told me, he says, you're gonna go through a hard time, but the Lord has not forgotten you. He's actually doing something in your life and you can trust him. And he said, I'm, I'm coming through that two years right now. And he goes, I think it's really, that, that's what a prophetic word can do. You experience the word of God for you. This can even happen in a message. I, I can't tell you how many people have said, me or someone else who's speaking, and we're just, it's not us, it's the, but the word of God is open. And they'll say, I felt like you were talking directly to me. Like you were reading my mail. Did my wife call you? I'm like, she actually did, yeah. And I, did, I tailored my message just for you. Not really. That's just the work of the Holy Spirit, right? He takes the word and he opens it to the extent that, you know what Paul says down here? Let me, let me close with this. In verse 25, Paul says that when you experience the gifts like this and the Holy Spirit is a work among you, he says, even unbelievers will worship God declaring God is truly here among you. Isn't that what we want? You know, we'll have people who come in and say, you know, the first week I was here, I don't know what happened. I came in and I just, the tears began to flow. I just sensed God. I'll give you one example. There was a guy who started coming to Grace. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. Got into conversation with a regular attender after a time. And they went a little bit deeper and the member from Grace just asked this guy, said, you know, just curious, um, I know that you don't agree with the teachings, some of the teachings of the Bible and what grace holds on to. You know, you're, this is, uh, you're not like, you wouldn't be quite in sync with, with where Grace Church is. I'm just curious, what draws you here week after week? And the guy goes, oh, I, I can tell you that. He said, two things. He said, number one, I sense God here. And, and number two, he goes, I, I feel loved. If that's you, you're in process, I, I hope that you sense that. That you'd say, I'm not even a Christian yet, but I, there's something about the presence of God that I, I want to encounter him, and, and that I, I, I sense his love and the love of people around me. Isn't that what we want as a church family? That we, we're not just like going through motions and saying, well, I just show up, it's obligation, and I'm supposed to do this, and maybe I get credit with God or something, but you encounter God that you experience them, that other people, even if you have a Sunday where like, yeah, I just sort of went out of obedience. That's great too. But you'll say, God, would you, would you help other people? We have people praying right now 
um, that that will be happening. That people, that you, we will experience his presence. Friends, I long for that in ever greater measures in, in our, with our kids, our youth, our young adults, our, for all of us. I would like to, to just uh, lead us in a prayer and just invite the Holy Spirit to come to fill our hearts in new ways, to give us whatever gift he wants to give us. And, and maybe we have some gifts that are being unused and that he will have his way in us and through us. Would you join me in that? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come and fill our hearts. Dispense, Lord, whatever gifts you want to give, and may we not be afraid or hesitant to use those gifts, but Lord, to step into those gifts that you give and and Lord, that your presence would be sensed, whether in conversations or prayer times or worship or gathering around your word. God, that you would have your way in us. So Lord, cleanse us from anything that would hinder you. Just wash away any, any of the, the mess and the yuck that would be a blockage in our lives. And just, we pray that your life and your love would flow through us. Jesus, would you do that, we pray. We invite you. In your name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen, amen. may it be. We have such a great Savior. Let's stand together as the team leads us.